This is Dr. Canadiana, a podcast about Canadian theatre history. I'm your host, Ashley Williamson. Dr. Canadiana, Episode 2, Thinking Historically. I'm going to talk about historical thinking using two examples. First, I'll talk to you about Unity 1918, the play by Kevin Kerr. By now you will have realized why I picked this play, about a town in Saskatchewan gripped by a deadly flu which quickly and completely alters everyone's way of life, as our first reading, and why in class we will use it to talk about why we study history. Although the people of Unity, Saskatchewan lived 102 years ago, their daily lives are more like what our daily lives look like today than our daily lives looked like even in January of this year. Yes? Then we will talk about the idea of a historical canon. Remember the canon of a subject or discipline comprises a generally agreed upon list of important works. In this podcast and over the 12 weeks of our course, I will talk a lot about how the canon is not only the events or art or plays or music included in the list of important works, but the people who do the choosing. Part of our work this term will be discussing what has been included in the Canadian theatre history canon. But before we can consider that, we're going to have to do some thinking about who the people are who got to pick. Who were the deciders and why? Okay, unity. As Kerr writes in his notes, In the fall of 1918, an influenza pandemic swept the planet. Largely forgotten now, this was the deadliest outbreak of an infectious virus in recorded history. Although it is uncertain exactly how many people died, estimates range from 20 to 50 million people worldwide. The flu reached every corner of the globe and was aided by the movements of troops at the tail end of World War I. It was an especially unusual strain of this otherwise common sickness, as the victims were mainly young adults, 20 to 40 years of age, strong and healthy and in the prime of their life. In Canada, where per capita war casualties were particularly severe, more people died in four weeks of the flu than did in four years of fighting. He wrote that roughly 80 years after the 1918 flu epidemic. 80 years later, an event that wiped out millions globally and 15,000 Canadians, largely young Canadians, seemed distant irrelevant, forgotten, a subject for a play. I was in a production of this play in 2008. I knew about the flu because I'm a history nerd, but I watched my classmates learn about the flu. They were shocked at the numbers of dead, the various measures taken to keep people safe, and how long the plague actually lasted. The guy who played Hart was particularly affected by what his character had been through. To make it home from war, to land in Halifax, only to have it explode and kill his mother, and to make it all that way, blind, on the train to Saskatchewan, and find his father dead. And then for him to die too, he could not believe how little he had known about Canada in 1918 and about these major society-shifting events, or how close he was in age to heart. I remember our discussion about masks, How would we act in them? What fabric would they be? Could we get away with making them gauze so we could breathe better, be heard by the audience? 
Doris, the woman I played, was one of the first to wear a mask in the show, and so I started to wear mine in rehearsals to get used to it. My sense memory of that play is my head itching from the graying powder I had to wear in every show and the feeling of my own hot, wet breath trapped on my face. Oh, and the masks seem so old-fashioned to us. Low-tech, kind of quaint. A relic of a time when there wasn't the kind of medical knowledge needed to fix something properly. We tried to imagine a time so long, long in the past that the solution to a huge, deadly problem was just telling people to stay in their houses and wear a mask. I've been thinking a lot about being in that play these days. My friends who saw me and it started to text me and DM me about it in the spring, telling me they were thinking about it too. When I wrote to the professor who directed me in that show to ask for the pictures because I was teaching Unity this term, his response was, of course you are, I am too. And this is why we study history, because it can help us understand now. Not in that way made Made famous by Winston Churchill, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. It is not just preventing a repetition. It is more than that. It is learning how to cope, finding company and camaraderie from those who lived through something long before you did. It is reading Unity 1918 as a young person in 2020 and being able to understand B and Sissy and Hart, not just because they are young in a plague that they can't control and don't understand, but also to feel like B and Sissy and Hart could look at your life now, today, and say to you, yeah, I get it. Across 102 years, there is empathy and understanding. This kind of historical thinking, empathy for those who lived before us and trying to understand their daily lives, thinking about the context for decisions they made is so much more valuable than memorizing important dates, notable people, major events. Studying history should be looking in the past for everyday people and listening to their stories. It is the context that matters, the context of hundreds of thousands or millions of individual people that make up the past. It's not just the statistics. 61,000 Canadians killed in World War I. 2,000 people killed in the Halifax explosion. 50,000 killed by the flu. Incomprehensible numbers that you will remember are big, but we'll have to look up later to get the specifics right, just like I did to make this podcast. But you won't forget heart or B or how the fear of the unknown pushed Michael's body off the train just outside of town. Now, if this was a real podcast and I was a real podcaster, I'd have a break here where I would sell you on a meal delivery kit or something and have a coupon code, you know? We could sell butter tarts. Butter tarts, a Canadian classic. I mean, I would sign up to have a butter tart mailed to my house once a week. And our code could be something like, what? Canadiana, Canada. What about promo code canonical? Promo code canonical for 20% off your first order of butter tart. All right, part two of thinking historically. Who gets to pick the canon? I'm sure you have all heard the saying, the victors write the history books. It means victors of war. The winner of the war gets to tell the whole story. 
but I think the word victor can be applied more broadly here. The victors have the agency and power to put forward their ideas, pick their preferences, choose their choices. And the victors are the ones with the privilege to decide. I heard that the victors write the history books a lot, especially in my high school history classes. It was presented as the reason we were only learning one set of events, getting one perspective. Honestly, I didn't really challenge it much at all. I mean, I was irritated in grade 9 and 10 when the teacher skipped over chapters in the book called Canadian Women's History or New Canadians or even French Canada. He had a lot to cover this year, he said. There wasn't time for extras. My grade 7 and 8 teachers had said the same. It wasn't until I got to university that I started to get professors who included that content, but it was happening in a very special episodes sort of a way. In a year-long course on poetry, you might get a class called Female Poets or a final class called First Nation Plays in a 12-week course on 20th century drama. Maybe in an upper-year course, there might be a special topics. A professor would offer a third or fourth-year seminar for 15 to 20 people called Queer Drama, and it would be a great class. So many interesting readings and plays and projects, but it would only be offered every three years. I do truly believe that most of these situations, they were well-intentioned attempts to expand the canon, to move outside of the important list. And we're going to try to expand it too. We will add and shift and reorganize. But before, in order to figure out how to remake something, we have to figure out how it was made in the first place. We have to understand how it came about. The anthologies, the play collections, the books of essays that are used to teach Canadian theatre history are in and themselves a canon. Several of the essays I have assigned to you in this course were also assigned to me as an undergraduate. There is a reason that after nearly 25 years of continuous study of Canadian drama and theatre, I own a copy of Wasserman's Modern Canadian Plays, Rubin's Canadian Theatre History, Selected Readings, Benson and Connolly's English Canadian Theatre, and Falwood's CTR Anthology, 15 Plays from Canadian Theatre Review. I own several editions of each. So who are these editors, these authors and scholars, who shaped Canadian drama and theatre canon? Don Rubin is a theatre historian, writer, and critic, and the founding editor of Canada's National Theatre Journal, Canadian Theatre Review, or CTR. He edited it from 1974 to 1982. As a theatre critic, he's written for major journals, magazines, newspapers, globally. He's a professor at York, and he joined that department in 1968, and he served as the department chair from 79 to 82. His book, Canadian Theatre, Selected Readings, is in its fifth edition. L.W. Connolly is an author, editor, teacher, theatre scholar, he was a professor of English at Trent University in Peterborough until his retirement in 2012, and he was previously the chairman of the drama department at the University of Guelph. He founded the Theatre Archives at the University of Guelph, and it's the largest collection of theatre archives available. He co-founded the journals Essays in Theatre and 19th Century Theatre. He was elected a Fellow of the Royal Society of Canada in 2002. In 2014, he was awarded the CATR-ACRT Lifetime Achievement Award for a significant contribution to Canadian theatre studies for the championing 
of the preservation and collection of Canadian theatrical heritage. Eugene Benson was a professor of English, a writer, a novelist, a playwright. He's written four plays broadcast on the CBC and has done translations of Quebec plays. He edited the periodical Canadian drama. Alan Falwood is an emeritus professor at the School of English and Theatre Studies at Guelph University with a research focus on Canadian theatre history and the canons of Canadian drama. His books include Theatre Histories, Critical Perspectives on Canadian Theatre in English, New Canadian Drama 7, West Coast Comedies, The CTR Anthology, 15 Plays from Canadian Theatre Review, and Collective Encounters, Documentary Theatre in English Canada. Jerry Wasserman is a professor emeritus of English and theatre at the University of British Columbia, specializing in modern drama and theatre history with a particular interest in Canadian theatre. His books include Modern Canadian Plays, both volumes, which are now in their fifth edition. He reviewed theatre for the CBC Radio for 17 years and is currently theatre critic for The Province newspaper in Vancouver. He sat on the board of Playwrights Theatre Centre and the Canadian Theatre Critics Association. All these men have made significant contributions to Canadian drama and theatre when Canadian drama and theatre was very young. And the plays and playwrights they championed and chose to include in their scholarship, their anthologies, their reviews, were doing interesting, new and novel work in a burgeoning genre. But it did take until 2018 for somebody called Heather to be the editor of a Canadian drama and theater anthology. Rubin, Connolly and Benson, Wasserman and Falwatt, along with other people considered Canadian theater authorities, made important contributions to the way Canadian drama and theater developed and the way it was then understood by Canadians. I know most of them. They have taught classes I have taken, given lectures at conferences I've attended. They're all deeply passionate, knowledgeable advocates for Canadian theatre and drama. But they did pick the canon, and it really shows. And so I ask while you read what they have written to take some notes. What are the definitions being offered? What are the plays being mentioned? Who are the people being written about? What years and cities and theater companies have been included? What are the things deemed important enough to be in these books? And then I'll see you next time. Eh? <laughs>